This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and we're recording here on a Tuesday afternoon, mid-July. We're somewhere in between the end of that wild June recruiting period, the visitation period, and the kickoff of Penn State preseason camp just around the corner. I'll be flying out to Indianapolis next week for Big Ten Media Days, but a different topic of conversation leads off this show. We have a lot of recruiting to get to with Brian Doan, national analyst with 24-7 Sports. Folks love it when he sits down with these conversations with Sean. It was a long one, so you'll love it. But Sean, Lonnie White leads off here because baseball player, uh, we've talked about this. He's a guy who has generated a ton of buzz as an athlete, not just in the football field. That came to fruition. Pittsburgh Pirates pick him number 64 in the MLB draft on Monday. We've got a lot to sort through. You're kind of hearing some things from Penn State's end of this. A lot of baseball insiders are trying to track down what Pittsburgh is going to do with its draft class and the way they have things slotted and maybe overpaying a guy like Lonnie White. What are you hearing here in Happy Valley? Yeah, that that's an interesting way to put it, overpaying him because this this whole MLB draft, we follow obviously college football, pro football closer than any other sport um, here at Lions twenty four seven. That you know, it's just kind of nature for us to think, okay, but you go into the draft, you want to get a uh, you draft for need, draft for the best player available, and the the, the college baseball draft, or excuse me, the MLB draft is not that whatsoever. It's about money. It's about moving money around, getting guys that, you know, you can put, you you can pick Lonnie White at 64, but still consider him, uh, you know, a, a basically a, a back end of the first round pick. Um, so in short, not good for Penn State. Um, the Pirates, I don't think would have taken them if, if they didn't think that he would sign or if they could sign him. Um, and this is something that could play out in the next few hours. It's something that could play out in the next couple of days that we, we don't know that, but, um, the, the way that the Pirates approach the draft is you've got basically a pie, you know, a piece of your pie for your first 10 picks or whatever, eight picks. And, and you trying to figure out how to distribute that either evenly or in a way that gets you the most out of each slice, if that makes sense. So they had the first overall pick. They didn't pick one of the drafts, top five, 10 prospect. Maybe it was top 10 guy. I, I'm, I don't follow um, baseball at that level as much as a lot of people do, but it wasn't the overall, you know, they weren't taking Trevor Lawrence, you know, that's not the the best guy in the draft. So they based it on signability. So they're going to pay him a little bit less. And what they turned around and did in the second round was, you know, drafted, uh, well, pissed off the college football world. You drafted Lonnie White, who was supposed to play receiver at Penn State. You drafted Bubba Chandler, uh, who was supposed to play quarterback at Clemson. Um, so they thought that throwing money at those guys would help them, you know, potentially get the most out of their proverbial slices. So uh, it's not good it, to, to go to a team like Pittsburgh that had such a huge cash, uh, cachet of money to throw around in that draft is, is certainly not good news for Penn State. Um, you know, you, you never know how these things could play out, but I have a tough time seeing 
Pittsburgh drafting him there if they didn't think that it was it was a pretty good chance that he at least a very good chance that he would sign. As of Tuesday afternoon, we are not talking about Lonnie White and Penn State in the past tense. As Sean just referenced, it's a situation that is evolving. Uh, agents are speaking with front offices across the MLB right now. Uh, Lonnie White's a part of that conversation. We'll see how things play out. We saw James Franklin tweet out some encouragement on Sunday as the MLB draft got started. Um, certainly a guy that, that Penn State's football program and baseball program hope to get a boost from. But you look at where he was going into the draft, MLB.com had him at number 72 on their big board. He batted about 400 this spring for Malvern Prep, five home runs, 11 doubles, 25 RBIs, and six foot two, 210 pounds. You see the range he has on the football field that extends to the baseball field as well. A heck of a center field prospect that, that you know, people are just, just like we're doing with his football uh pedigree we're talking about an athletic arsenal that that could carry him to a major payday in major league baseball down the road but as of right now you get that immediate payday from being an mlb rookie it may take you much longer into your mid-20s sometimes because of the minor league situation to get that second big contract sean but the payday here is mlb.com projecting that slot at 1.05 million dollars but as we just talked about because of the way they put together their formula for the draft, they can go above that with Lonnie White. That's the instantaneous pay. I know we're talking about NIL. And if you're a star at Penn State, you're going to have a lot of endorsement options. I do wonder how Penn State maybe tries to counter the conversation a little bit with that caveat. But that is just an incredible amount of money to put on the table for a, a guy who just finished high school and certainly understands that football can take a physical toll. Yeah, and this is basically the way that he's approached it the entire way. Very quiet, um, very uh, unassuming, which is kind of the way he handled his recruitment as well. Uh, still think that there's a, a want to play football in there, but you got to figure out how this kind of works for everybody. Because if he goes to Penn State, he can't enter the draft, the, the baseball draft, until after his junior season. So that's there's a lot to think about for Lonnie White. And it's just, uh, I, I said it before, I don't envy him for having to make this this decision. I do envy him for the, the payday that awaits him, um, but that's uh, two different things entirely. So I, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but like I said, not a ton of confidence. If, if he kept sliding, that would have mean that would have meant more signability concerns, more probably vibes from the family that they weren't ready to, to, to commit full-time to baseball. So I, you can talk a lot about NIL. I don't think it's going to have much of an effect here. He could he could certainly make some money at, at Penn State, but I don't think it's to the sense where you're comparing. I mean, that's pretty much apples and oranges at this point. Yeah, it, it's something to that, that college football can now bring to the table in open air and in open forum that they couldn't before in these kind of conversations. But uh, hard, hard to argue with what will be presented by what you would assume would be presented by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, if Lonnie White's that's out the of the, that's what's the, that? thing. the Pirates, if anybody can screw it up, it's the they could bungle this, right? I mean, <laughs> a lot of Pirates fans around this area I saw, whether it was on our board yesterday or, or on social media, and even a friend I spoke with were like, Let's see what the Pirates do in this negotiation process because he could end up uh, enrolled at Penn State pretty quickly. <laughs> they're, they're like Randy Quaid in Major League is the, the Indians fan that hates the Indians. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's a lot of that's describing a lot of Pirates fans uh, and their their confidence in the GM and the system there. Which uh, you know, given the track record, I know, I know they've built it up in the in the last couple of years, but given the track record, kind of get the benefit of the doubt there. And that uh, you hope that the Pirates can 
come come through with a very pirate move here but like i said not not a ton of hope um you know on this end it's uh it's it's an incredible situation i think i think it's really cool how su- outwardly supportive penn state has been of him um you know and I, and i think part of that is like hey we're, we're supporting you no matter what but at the same time it's kind of nudge him in the ribs say hey we we want you here this is this is I, I struggle to say recruiting him all over again, but you know, that goodwill could, could earn you something. So hopefully you lose nothing from that. And and if he even went on to become an MLB star, how often would it be mentioned former Penn state commit? Wouldn't you like to have a good relationship with him in the program in that instance too? I mean, I know that's long-term, but <laughs> what, what are, what, what does it serve you to be, to cast any ill will publicly or otherwise, not surprised to see the support out there. And I think for James Franklin to put it out in a public setting, you know, that conversation was already done privately for him to tweet it out. You lose nothing from that. And as he said, that night was going, the the whole process win, win for Lonnie white. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good look for Penn state to say, you know, you're not even here and we're supporting, you know, it's one thing to to tweet out support about your first round draft picks or your guys that get drafted in the, in the NFL draft. But for, for a guy that's not even here, I think it sets a, especially for an in-state kid, it sets a good example for what you're trying to to project out there about your Let's remember. Yeah. In-state was rough last year. We've talked about that major rebound in 2022. You're going to discuss that a bit more here with Brian Doan in a moment, but Lonnie White was one of those few in-state uh, blue chip additions in that 2021 recruiting class and uh, came in, uh, coming in to, to a group you'd think with Liam Clifford and Harrison Wallace, but now we don't know if Lonnie White's part of that group. If that's it, Lonnie, uh, you got Liam Clifford, you got Harrison Wallace. You did not add a transfer portal wide receiver. You, you lost a couple of wide receivers in the past 10 months or so to the transfer portal. Did, did Penn State do enough? Did they need to do more to address the wide receiver position to have you feeling good about it going into August? Or are there enough guys with some momentum where you think that they're okay? You know, I, I think they're okay. I, I I would have liked to have seen one more guy brought in, especially a speed guy. Um, they were they were recruiting Demetrius Roberson, uh, the Georgia transfer, but he ended up going to Auburn. Um, but that's not, that wasn't a huge surprise or anything like that. But you would like to see a speed guy, maybe a guy that can help you out uh, with uh, with the return game and things like that. So now I think you're just going to be leaning a little heavier on those two tight ends, um, which is. Uh, good spot to be in because those are really talented tight ends. Um, but yeah, I think probably if you're, you know, in a perfect world, if you're playing that video game where you're trying to set up your, your roster for the optimal lineup for the, for the season, probably would have liked to add one guy, but you know, we, we saw it a couple of years ago with Weston Carr, you know, the, the guy that you think might be the right guy is not always going to be the right guy. So it, it I, I don't begrudge them for going out and just adding nobody or adding I don't want to say a nobody, but adding a guy that's not going to, you know, cause a ripple throughout your room. You've got those frontline starters in, in Dotson, Washington, and, and they hope Keandre Lambert Smith. And, and if you can get Cam Sullivan Brown to be a consistent contributor, then it doesn't sting as much, but yeah, you probably would have liked to see a little more speed uh, or, or a speed guy in there um, to maybe, you know, help if you're trying to spread it out, trying to get the ball around, see what happened. But I, I don't have a huge problem with the way that they approached it, but you would have probably liked to see one more guy in there. Malik Mega, Jaden Dotton, and among those second year guys that, that you're also looking to get more out of as you try to establish that rotation for Taylor Stubblefield, Liam Clifford, Harrison Wallace, uh, if Lonnie White, is gone. Those are your two newcomers. They are already on campus. Uh, and I'll continue to say it. I think Liam Clifford, yes, the connection with the quarterback helps, but I can right. go in onto campus. We talked about this class, Lonnie White, three years of a sample size, major upside, 
could could be a dominant receiver for you this year. I've been saying Liam White, uh, Liam Clifford in 2021 still felt like he was the guy in the best position to come in and make a move, but maybe we'll get never get to find out, which is, you know, recruiting is full of a, what could have been kind of stories. And, and if Lonnie White goes and plays baseball, that will be one that will file away in, in our football stories. Yeah. And it stinks. Cause if he does go, if he does choose baseball, I was really looking forward to seeing him go. And, and, and I agree with you. I like, I think he could play right away, um, but I don't think anybody was banking on him being in there, especially since he didn't come in with the rest of his class. He, you know, he probably would have had to, or probably if he still went to Penn State, would enroll late July, early August, something like that. So he's missed quite a bit from that, um, which obviously can't blame him whatsoever. Um, but it, it's one of those situations where you, you think he could have, but you weren't leaning on him to do that this year. Uh, we are going to get to our five-star mailbag. Before we get to Brian Doan, we'll, we'll finish with a long conversation here between Sean and Brian, a bunch on recruiting. Um, and by the way, we will, once there is some finality to the Lonnie White situation, we'll be back to discuss that a bit more in the podcast and kind of put a punctuation at the end of that. But um, here's the question, and, and Sean, it's a pretty detailed one, so I'm, I'm going to kind of trim it down here just a bit uh, for our listeners. Uh, here it is. Uh, the 2021 class down year for Penn State left a lot of fans disappointed. It was a smaller class, though. This 2022 class, meanwhile, now ranks second in the country. It should continue to grow. You look at the average rating difference between those two classes, and it's less than one full point. Just trying to understand that, says the listener here. So the ratings, the team rankings, it's a lot of math. Uh, Gaussian distribution, I believe, is the, the term that we use. It's a bell curve. Um, so you, you value the top guys um, more than you value, you know, you value, say, in this 2022 class, Nicholas Singleton more than you value, you know, Malik McNeil. So basically, a, a good way to see how this kind of works out is our class, our, is our class calculator on 24-7 sports. Um, so you go in there and you see that Nicholas Singleton, okay, Penn State's got a 243.95 good for number three nationally Notre Dame picked up a commitment over the weekend to push them back to uh, or excuse me yesterday to push them back to number two but Nick Singleton's worth 25.78 of that 243.95 uh Caden Saunders the 24.95 and then it just kind of it's that that bell curve so you go down so your your weight for the uh the, the weighted numbers for your class ranking are basically the top 15 it gets down to top 20 but there's a nice little break after that top 15. Um, so if they keep adding four-star guys, maybe a five-star guy, then, you know, it's certainly going to bump that class up more than adding just, uh, you know, we have KJ Winston as a three-star. I like KJ Winston a lot, but say they add him in August um, to, to the commit list, it's not going to move the needle as much. So yes, it's, it, it's a, it's an interesting uh, way of going about it. Like, like I've said many times on this podcast, we're not math guys. I'm glad we have other people mm -hmm. doing this on the back end so that we don't have to, to track all of this stuff. But yeah, you, you basically build up around your elites and then you, you sort of, uh, wave back down to, uh, to the rest of your class. So I think that average star ranking or rating, excuse me, average star rating, um, is a good way to go about it. Uh, there's a few things that throw that off. Kickers are, you know, I don't have disproportionately rated Alex Paquette, I think is the number two punter in the country by 24 seven sports. And he's basically borderline two slash three star. So, I mean, that's kind of when you talk about average star rating and things like that. And plus more numbers are going to bring that average down a little bit. You talked about that 2021 class, which had uh, what 15, 16 guys in it. Jordan Vandenberg's not ranked. Um, so that'll go into that. Like if he were ranked, 
a lower three star, you know, mid three star, something like that, it would drag that down. Um, so it's a lot of math. Um, it's a, but, but, but when you're talking about ranking these classes, um, you're talking about the meat of it. So 15, 20 guys. And then on top of that, you're, you're prioritizing quality over quantity. When you look at last year's group and, you know, we have the composite ratings, we have our 24-7 sports rankings. Just talking composite here, there were four four-star players in that class, which ended up featuring 17. As you mentioned, Jordan Vandenberg was a late addition there, wasn't ranked. Um, but, but four four-stars there. You look at this class that's currently constructed, 18 players committed, 10 of them our composite four-star prospects. Um, so certainly a different makeup to this group, Sean. Um, much like last year, there was a moment of great expansion. Last year, it was like April into May. Uh, this year, it's certainly been the early start of July. And I know in terms of breaking down everything that's ahead and, and what's been accomplished so far, you and Brian, you sat down and I'm, I'm guessing you sat down and said, hey, Brian, just need you for 15, 20 minutes. And then you kept going. We're really good at that. So this this is one that I, when I cut it up, I, I looked at the number and I was, oh boy, that's basically an entire episode. So we apologize for the length of it, but I, I got to say it was a great conversation and it wasn't just me asking Dome for what he's hearing on this guy and that guy. I think there's a lot of good uh, speaking, uh, talking there about recruiting, about how things work, about what he's seen from these guys. And of course, we haven't had him on since Penn State went on that that run uh, at the beginning of July, or the since they've had guys on campus uh, at the end or in June. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. We get into some deny Dennis Sutton. We talk about uh, you know his his latest crystal ball picks and things like that. So there's a lot in there, and I apologize for how long it is, but we didn't have a second episode last week because of uh, a few things. I was out of town. Tyler was out of town, um, but it was. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, this is a good makeup game. It's a good, good rebound episode with when Brian comes on and just drops a bunch of, of knowledge like he's going to do in a moment. And by the way, commitment coming up later in the week, we plan to come back and discuss that. Uh, Katron Allen is due up on July 16th. I'm, I'm haven't heard the conversation with Brian yet because you have, we haven't put the podcast out. I'm assuming you two got into that, but I think that's probably when you can look for the next episode. I know it's been a week. Maybe after that, when we find out what K-Tran Allen's going to do, we'll come back and we'll talk about that and, and whatever else is happening with Penn State. Yeah, there's, you know, if you look at what happened, I mean, you had those commitments, excuse me, that, that, that run of commitments in early July. Take a breather. You got Katron Allen set to announce on the 16th. Uh, I think Gunnar Givens is going to announce Friday. I still think that's Virginia Tech. Jordan Allen, uh, on the 17th, the Louisiana, uh, defensive back that Penn State's, you know, very much in the mix for is then. And then, of course, you, everything's building up to deny Dennis Sutton on, on July 22nd. So I, it's not a huge run, but it's, it's, there's certainly decisions worth monitoring over the next week. We've got you covered on that and plenty more at lines247.com. We'll be back with another episode here where you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find this one. Drop your five-star rating and review with your five-star mailbag question. We look forward to hearing from you. A bunch of questions coming our way in recent days. We'll get to those as the episodes continue. For now, on behalf of Sean, big thanks to Brian. I'm Tyler. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast. It's been a nice little break after a run of commitments from Penn State earlier this month, I guess in the first week of July. Uh, Penn State with a big run. A big part of our coverage for that was Brian Doan of 24-7 Sports. As always, I say he's our favorite guest. I mean it. Doan, thanks for coming back on. That just means you need a better guest list, to be honest, but thank you. And it does, but I I like to set you up with that because I always like to hear your snappy comebacks after. uh, (laughs) Hey, I'm just glad they did all these commits. And uh, for a change, it was me that was out of town during them. Well, I mean, you weren't even on vacation. You got your vacation next week. I think you lined it up with the Lash Bash, or I guess in two weeks. (laughs) Um, So I guess I can throw that one back in your face. But uh, Yes. Yes, yes. I, you should ask James Franklin at the next press conference if, if there's any thoughts of him moving the Lash Bash, knowing that I usually go on vacation the last month of July. Oh, trust me, I've I've dropped that. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> I don't like that you're away at all. So, yeah. uh, but no, yeah, well deserved vacation for one of the hardest yeah. working men you know, men in the business. Uh, Doan, who could have seen this coming? Penn State with a runoff commits after you know a, a big June of visitors. You know, I wish during the 15 months that visits weren't allowed that you and I could have come to some kind of understanding that maybe Penn State did need to get kids on campus to really kickstart recruiting again, because who would have thought that getting them onto one of the best campuses in the country to with the coaching staff that do an unbelievable job with in-person recruiting who would have thought that that could turn things around, huh? I, I didn't see it coming. Sometimes you just <laughs> never know when it's going to hit. Yeah. Penn State yeah. hit last week, uh, five commits in six days, I believe it was. Um, but that was, uh, that was quite a run. I mean, this, this is something that we looked to ahead to July the entire time. Um, wasn't quite the way that everyone drew it up. You know, a, a month ago, we're talking Jaden Bellamy and Jaden Gould. Now we're talking JB Nelson, Caleb Artis, Tyrese Fearbury. Um, so, but it, a very good run for the Nittany Lions. I know you've seen a lot of these guys in person. I know that you've been happy to get out and scout some guys because I know that's a, that's a big part of what you do um but we'll, we'll start with jb nelson uh, the the offensive tackle or excuse me offensive lineman from uh lackawanna uh, junior college i listed him as an offensive tackle probably an interior guy for penn state he's got swing length so it's not really a situation where he's pigeonholed into being an interior guy or a tackle um, but this is a big boy a, a very athletic boy and this is a guy who's stocked with the penn state staff went up after they saw him in camp uh, on campus in camp in early june yeah, and, and I think, you know, you mentioned, and, and just to backtrack a, a little bit, because I know people were thinking with Bellamy and Gould, but look, if I'm Penn State, I'm I'm thrilled. Look, you want to get everybody, obviously, but the guys that you mentioned, Artis, J.B. Nelson, and Fearbury are line of scrimmage guys, and, and that's where you win, you know, the big games, as you well know. So for me, it's I think it's great news that Penn State was able to lock up those three, and you start with Nelson, and yeah, he's a big kid, and I know there's debate on whether he's a guard or tackle. And I think you're going to find that with a lot of offensive line um, recruits and commits that they get in terms of, you know, what they want out of, 
the position with Phil Troutwine there. I, when I when I watched Nelson, you know, and I, and I listened to what you and, and Brennan had to say about, you know, just his size and seeing him in person when he was on campus and wandering around. But luckily, you guys were in the same spot to see him wandering around. Um, and, and just you look at the length, you know, Troutwan wants swing guys because you don't want a guy who can play only one position. The more positions, the better. But he's also a guy that if he develops a little bit more and can move laterally, I mean, he could play right tackle. He's got that length. He's got to have the understanding of how to get the edge. But what what I really like about him is he is a kid who, you know, look, he said it himself. He he did not put the work into the classroom when he was in high school. And he kind of, you know, not kind of, he, he grew up, matured, and understands the chance that was afforded to him, not just by Penn State, you know, Maryland offered, Ole Miss, West Virginia. Um, and and so he comes in, he's a little bit more mature, and I, I like that. And I like the fact that he owns up to the fact that he didn't treat high school the way he should have from an academic standpoint. Um, and I think a lot of times people will say that maybe a kid's not smart if he has, you know, bad grades or whatever um, in high school, which, we, you know, we found, makes me not that. smart too. Yeah, well, we found that. To me, and a lot of guys, it's it's not the the brains, it's the effort, especially early yeah. in their high school career. And that's that's where a lot of these guys, especially a guy like Nelson, you know, you just kind of get under that wave and just get sucked under and, and and really don't have a chance then. So I think when you're when you're talking when you're talking to younger prospects, you're like, you gotta take care of it. I mean, it's freshman, sophomore year. It's nothing that's gonna it's gonna crush you and, and end your life, but you gotta take care of that stuff early in high school and and realize the importance of it and because it's gonna come back and bite you later if you don't if you don't. I had that conversation with Micah Parsons after his freshman year of high school. And I remember, you know, we were just talking and he's like, I'm like, yeah, so how are you in school? He goes, man, I, I should really do better. I really, I really need to take it more seriously. Um, he goes, because I, I, I can't miss an opportunity because I'm not doing stuff in the classroom. And and then he did, he, he did take it more seriously later in his high school career. And so JB Nelson, when, when you watch his tape at Lackawanna, talk to some of the guys on staff at Lackawanna. Um, it's just, you, you know, it's there. It's not like, wow, how did this kid wind up and did he develop late? No, he just, you know, he just needed to be more mature about, you know, his academics. And, and he is, I, I'm excited to see what he does. Cause he also has a great story just in terms of, um, you know, he's really close with his mom just in terms of wanting that second chance and kind of get to a place like Penn State that has the alumni network. And, and I think that was a big part of the decision. And you find that more with JUCO kids. Look, all kids are going to say academics are part of it. And, and very rarely is that true. Um, but I, I think with Nelson, what, what could happen after he graduates from Penn State, whether football or non-football, really helps with his decision. Yeah, you don't want to label too many redemption stories. Like that's the thing. I think we fall into that trap sometimes is, you know, the stories are great, but like this is very much, it, it, there's an open ending on this one, which is great. You mentioned lateral speed, um, quickness, everything like that. I mean, this is a guy that's 6'5 plus, 320 plus, but he ran a 474 shuttle for them at camp. Like that's, that's moving for a big guy like that. So I think I'm very intrigued to see which way, you know, how he can put that into, um, into his game because if you look at and you talk to people around that 
The physical aspect, nobody's really questioning that. It's just a matter of refining his body, reshaping his body, and just growing his his athletic qualities into actually being a football player. Yeah, and, and also being um, technically sound. Uh, he's at Pittsburgh Mount Lebanon. They produce some players, but you know he, he's not on the five year calendar. I mean, it is a four year calendar, I guess, with him because of. Um, everybody got a free year last year. And, and he has four to, four to play three because of it. And I think that's important as well. But we'll, we'll... It, it, it is. It is. Well, I, you know what? He, he actually will have, um, I think he'll have four years of eligibility left. Like well, he can play four seasons. Yeah. He'll play one year um, with Lackawanna this yeah. year. And then he'll, he'll he has five to play four right now. He'll have four yeah, to three. Right. Right. When he gets there. Clarify yeah. Which I think we're saying, I think we're saying the same thing, but getting there a different way. That but, uh, that's, yeah. that's our, that's our, that's our relationship. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> that, is, that is, but you know, I, I, I really am excited to see him work, you know, with the staff at Lackawanna, they do a good job there too. And, and just see, can he develop that kick stack? kick step and and be balanced and and get outside because like you mentioned the shuttle's there and one thing we know um as we as we rank and and move forward with stuff like that it is to me at least you want to have something where he can grow on it and and just you know you you want to take the measurables and see it translate onto the field i guess is what i'm saying yeah, because we get in that conversation of good athlete versus good football player. But if I mean, as you saw, we've talked about Robert Martin on the podcast before from North Jersey, a good, decent football, good enough football player. But then he gets to, to campus and he's not a division one athlete. I mean, there, there's nothing you can do in that situation. You can you can try and develop an athlete into a football player. and You're going to have more success than taking a good football player who's not a division one athlete and turning him into a, a, you know, a guy that can start for you for a couple of years or something like that. So. That's that's another conversation that you know we've gone off. I was gonna say, I think Penn State took the wrong Robert Martin at one point. <laughs> Robert Martin, Harrisburg running back. We who do we compare him to recently? Oh, the the kid going to uh, to Rutgers, the running back from LaSalle. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Brown. Right now, a, Sam, Sam Brown. He's a really good back, and that's a yeah. really good get for Rutgers. I'm going to be interested to see if anybody comes after him late. Um, see how that goes. But uh, staying, yeah, yeah great. While we're in Philly, Keon Wiley the next day. We've talked a lot about Keon Wiley. I know you're a big fan of his. Went and saw him play once or twice this spring. Um, what, what's he going to bring to the table for Penn State? Because who, who's looking at him to start his career at linebacker? Yeah, and I think that's what he is. But I think he's one of those guys that's going to be at his best, you know, coming off the edge, blitzing the quarterback. But he he's I, – and I told you, I, I went and watched him play. Um, he scrimmaged, and I texted from the scrimmage saying – you know, this kid can play. And then I went and saw him play live um, to end the season against Kent Talley in Northeast. And I was like, yo, man, this kid can move. I mean, he's got great burst. He's got good length. I mean, I don't want to say he's got huge plus length. He's about 6'2". So as a guy with his hand on the ground, I don't know if that's exactly what Penn State would have been looking for, which is why they, they decided to recruit him as a linebacker. But he, here's what I know. I know he's really athletic. He has, you know, he's got fast twitch, quick twitch muscles. Um, he stays low. He's got a great motor and he can change direction and he runs well. So I get that he hasn't played linebacker and doesn't really drop into coverage much for high school. And I, I really don't care about that because he's got everything else. And I think his frame, you know, he's probably between 210 and 215 right now. Um, I think his frame can carry 225 to 230 and when you're twitched like that and can move 
you find a place for them on the field. Um, I, I always, you know, Fitz, I always tell you, and I, and I tell some other people, I don't know if I've said it here, but every time Penn State gets a commitment, the way I try to evaluate that player and his fit at Penn State is, does he help them beat Ohio State? Right. That's my that's my question, which I probably am going to open up a, a whole can of worms because every time they get a commit, this is what I'm going to get asked on the board. But um, Keon Wiley can help them beat Ohio State. He's that kind of athlete. Wow. Okay. Yes. And you're definitely opening yourself up for the first post instead of do you still feel good about your crystal ball? It's going to be can he help Penn State beat Ohio State? But but you're right. That's the bar. I mean, I sat in Bill O'Brien's office seven years ago and that and that's basically his exact words was, okay, we're going to look at these kids. And I, and I, I remember the kid that he was talking about, I guess Ron Vanderlinden brought him up during a game uh, to meet or after a game to meet with O'Brien and O'Brien's like, why, why are we doing this? This kid is not going to, you know, help us. And, and the kid, you know, to his credit, got a division one scholarship, did not go on to a bunch of success, but that's, that's the measuring stick and it's got to be the measuring stick. And, yeah. and, and I don't know how you, you pass Ohio state, which is obviously not happening anytime soon without trying to, to set the bar there. And, and to be honest with you, the rest of the big 10 has to do the same thing. So that's, it is, but, but you know, it is, it is, but you know what? Iowa isn't trying to beat Ohio state. Like if you're Maryland and Rutgers, you're not trying to beat Ohio state. You're, you're trying to get to beat Michigan or Michigan state. You know, those you, you have different levels. Penn state is at that point where, you know, do you beat Ohio State? That's what you're, you know, if James Franklin goes 10 and two and loses to Ohio State, people are going to be like, well, you didn't beat Ohio State. So, so the, the, the measuring stick is different. Like Boston College, my measuring stick for Boston College is, does it help you beat Miami? And, you know, when Florida State gets moving again, Florida State, because Boston College, it's not fair to compare them to Clemson right now. Mm-hmm. For Penn State, it is fair to compare them to Ohio State because that's where, that's the next step. I mean, if, if it's not Ohio State, then tell me what Penn State's next step forward would be. What What's Michigan do in that situation? Just to, and just I know this is a very big tangent here, but you mentioned Penn State's one of the schools that can say that about Ohio State. Maybe you say that about Wisconsin in the West because you know it, it's one of those things where if they make it to, to Indianapolis, they ha- are going to have to end up beating Ohio State. Michigan's record against Ohio State would would seem to indicate otherwise. But what do you do in that situation? Because I know you follow Michigan recruiting very closely yeah. as well, because they've been it, present in Jersey and everything like that. But it's just it's it's an interesting question. I thought it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You have to be able to beat Ohio State if you're Michigan. That's who you're recruiting. That's every kid you're going up against. You you want to? Does he help us beat Ohio State? That's what the Michigan bar is and that's what the barometer is it's the same out west with ucla it's does that help you beat usc because that's what the next step is i mean what's michigan if michigan's next step is not ohio state then tell me what the next step is for them and i get it if you look at history um recently michigan's not where a lot of people think it should be but that still has to be the goal and when you're Michigan and when you're Penn State, if your goal isn't the Big Ten championship, then what are we doing, right? I mean, you know, everybody laughs when, you know, coaches will be out there. We want to win a national championship. That's our goal. And they'll be at like, you know, Northwest A&M State University College, whatever. 
what are you supposed to say? I mean, your goal is to always win every game and, and, and achieve to, for that greatness. And for some, that level is history tells you it's not obtainable or, you know, to obtain it is, is such an incredible reach. It's not realistic, but I mean, Ohio, I mean, Penn state that that's what the goal is, right? I mean, they're not packing 107,000 in there so they can finish second in the big 10 East. Right. Michigan, the number 10 class in the 24 seven sports rankings right now. Um, just one player from our general area. Um, you know, you cover Jersey and New England and they've been so prevalent up there. Alessandro Lorenzetti's the, the one player, but he's Canadian import. So interesting change of direction there without Don Brown there, without some of their. And with that, I was say with that Chris Partridge too. Right. Right. So yeah. it's just an interesting side note. Uh, we'll get back yeah. to the, the commitments. Uh, next one up, Tyrese Fearbury. Uh, this is a guy that you saw over the weekend in Pittsburgh. Um, there's some stuff on the site. Uh, definitely check it out. I know you were very uh, excited to see him. You saw him at a seven on seven this spring, I believe. And then you got a chance to evaluate him more in a, in a t- typical camp setting this weekend. Yeah. And, and I'll have some clips up on, on him later in the week from the camp. And, um, you know, I, I also spoke with him and he had some interesting things to say about a prospect who is recruiting him to Penn state, but, uh, mm-hmm. We'll save that one for the VIP members because I think people are going to be surprised when you look there and say, Hey, uh, boy, he's recruiting him to Penn State. That, that may bode well for Penn State, um, in another recruitment. But what I like about Fearbury, um, and there's a lot is his length. He's a very smart kid. He's athletic. When I saw him at a seven on seven, he was agile and moved well. When I saw him at the camp, he had good bursts coming off the ball. Um, he's got a lot of room for frame development. You know, he's, he's about six, five, probably two ten to two twenty, I would say, but he can e- easily hold two fifty easily. And, you know, he's got huge hands. He's worked really hard to develop his hand skills in the off season. And I saw that Saturday, he didn't have a ton of reps, but he, he showed some, some good hand speed with it. And it was cool to see him, talking with Aaron Donald just about, um, you know, Aaron Donald's work the camp. And it was cool to see him get some points from Aaron Donald too. Um, and, and so for me, a kid like Fearbury, I, I cannot wait to see him in the fall because I think he's a kid that I, I think could see his, you know, a, a climb up the rankings as we go through this and as he continues to, ve- to develop. Yeah, and there's a lot to learn there. 219 is what he checked in at Penn State a couple of weeks ago during his official yeah. visit. So maybe just a little bit more mass than, than you would think just by looking at him because he is long and he's, uh, you know, just got a, t- a ton of, uh, a ton of frame to fill out there. So probably rolled into that official visit at 210. And by the time with all the food you eat, I always point. tell the cornerbacks, I tell the cornerbacks, you know, be careful on these visits because you're going to start June as a corner and end as a linebacker if you take a lot of officials and eat i mean we've seen that with with guys that hadn't even taken officials um, <laughs> later that night caleb artist committed to penn state uh there was also zane durant was in there but he's a florida kid yeah. we're not gonna go into that one uh caleb artist committed to penn state this is a guy you've been following for a long time again a big big frame in the middle of that defensive line which they've been you know they've been pretty good at finding those six two 
defensive tackles, the 6'1 to 6'3 defensive tackles. This guy, 6'4, uh, looks like an offensive lineman. I know we've talked about him potentially being an offensive lineman uh, at the next level, um, but he's a, he's a guy that Penn State targeted uh, very heavily, probably heavy, more heavily than you and I think. We talk sometimes about you know the, the priority guys and where we think Penn State has them on their board or where we've heard Penn State has them on their board. And sometimes, you know, Caleb Artis is a three-star by 24-7 sports. So, you know, maybe the staff probably a little bit higher on him than, than we are based on our, our, our ranking of him. Yeah, um, and that's fine. I mean, you know, it, if, if you agree on everything, that's not healthy for anybody. Um, and I, I think with Artis, he's got length. Um, he's got good size. You watch his tape. He lines up on the edge for St. Francis Prep on uh, Long Island. And he's not a kid that's going to explode off the edge and, and really use speed to get around. But if you watch him and you project him to move inside, he can take on a block or two, allow for the linebackers to come up and make tackles. You know, um, he's going to have a few, you know, sometimes he's going to get into the backfield and, and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I, I, I think he's, a tough kid who will probably do a lot of the dirty work on a defensive line and not get a ton of accolades for it. That That's how I view him. And, and I think um, he was really hurt in the spring. He played three games because the team was beset by COVID. It was a very uneven season in terms of practices and everything. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he is in the fall where he gets into more of a rhythm. He also put on a lot of weight in the off season and not, not weight that I put on, you know, this was good weight. And so I think that also will, you know, slowed him down a little bit as, as his body adjusts to just, you know, being 40, 50 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. but it's what you said before Fitz. He comes in as a D lineman. I know a lot of schools that were saying D lineman, but kind of like, Hey, we're going to, really look at him more on the offensive line. Uh, Penn State will give him that look on the defensive line, but what I like about him is his length and, and the way he moves. I mean, he, he could easily play the guard position and, and you know, is somebody that down the road, if it doesn't work out on D-line, it's not the end of the world for him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then the big one on Tuesday, Nick Singleton. So obviously we're coming at you probably a week later here, um, but it's nice to get these recaps. And I know Nick Singleton is a guy that we have very high at 24-7 sports. And this is is the one, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I give Penn State a ton of credit on this one because for a while, I had that crystal ball pick in for a while on him. And then he was going to Notre Dame. When he left that Notre Dame visit, he was going to Notre Dame. And Penn State and its commits um, kind of reminded him on why he was so high on Penn State to begin with. And if you remember coming out of that seven on seven in Philadelphia, or just outside of Philadelphia in May, I'm like, Fitz, I'm here in Penn State. Um, and so it got him away from the visit. And I think it's a great fit for him location wise, offense wise, comfort wise. But, you know, the thing I like about Nicholas Singleton is, is kind of what I was saying before about JP. Uh, JB Nelson is a lot of measurables are now coming into play and his measurables are ridiculous from his speed, his agility, um, his size, his production. Uh, I, I get that governor Mifflin's not playing, you know, the CIF in California in that schedule, but he is so dominant 
it is absolutely ridiculous. And if you go back, because I remember, he, if you remember, he got invited to the opening as what, coming out of like his freshman year or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, wait, who, who's this kid with no offers getting invited? And then you saw the numbers he was putting up and you're like, all right, whatever. Um, that's pretty impressive. And then he goes down to the opening and does really well and puts up numbers. And I mean, I, I think Nicholas is a great kid just from getting to know him over the years. And what, what I really, enjoy about the job and and watching a kid like him is do you remember what it was like talking to him that freshman year and oh. doing an interview with him oh yeah <laughs> I, mean, I, do. I mean you know it, it would be like boy i think i got enough stuff to to get something together and now you talk to him and he's so comfortable and 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 mature and it, it's so it's fun to watch these kids grow up and you see the size of him. I mean, he was a big kid before, but you know, he's legit six foot, you know, he'll go two twenty. I mean, he, he moves. And I know just from talking to people that the rest of the big 10 was not happy when he picked Penn state, which is probably the best endorsement a kid can get. Yeah, definitely. Um, in a cycle or in a year where we have so many questions about measurables, that's the one thing you didn't question with Singleton. I mean, we know, we know he's going to have to learn some things about the position and, and how to run and, and, you know, going from that competition level up to Penn state, it's certainly a big jump. Um, but from the physical, uh, physical aspect, measurable aspect, every, you, you knew everything about him, which obviously makes us uh, pretty comfortable with, uh, with how high he highly he is rated uh, staying in Pennsylvania. This is not a commitment, but uh, I want to talk a little about Drew Shelton. Um, because he reaffirmed his his pledge to Penn State in late June, I think it was late June, early July, um, and he that's that's a big one in itself. But he's coming back to Downingtown to play his senior season. Um, we've talked about IMG in the past. It's not been something where Penn State has made uh, had an advantage there. So getting him back around, you know, can can make a weekend trip to to go to Penn State to check out games. I mean, this could be one of those things where he's. He's bringing all those Philly guys up every weekend or every other weekend or something like that. But just a big move um, as great as IMG has been for some prospects. It's a big move to get him back to campus. And if you're a Penn state fan, selfishly, you, you're feeling pretty happy about that news. You know, if I'm a Penn state fan, I'm, I'm ecstatic about him coming back home to play football. Because if you remember when he went down there, I told you, I said, Hmm, it's something to keep an eye on now well, because yeah. Yeah, he went. He yeah. went down there, and I remember having this conversation with you. They're like, "We're going through the commit list at that point. So who would you who would you have moved down there that it wouldn't affect? And it's probably Bo Perbul, and then probably second would have been Drew Shelton, and it did affect Drew Shelton. He did take those other visits. So yeah, that's it's it's certainly something. You get him back on or yeah. not get him back on campus, get him back in state. That's huge. Well, it is huge, and and a it's like you said, he's close to campus, so now he can just drive up like. Play on Friday night. You know what? Penn State's got a noon game or three thirty game. I think. You know what? I'm going to go up and watch him, and and he can just go up. You know, spur of the moment. The other thing is, when you're at IMG, you are football, 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 right? And we get it, and that's part of the gig. And you're also around another forty kids being recruited by schools. Hey, this school's doing this. This school's doing that. Hey, come join me here. Come on a visit with me to this place. Come here. Go there. Check out this. Coaches are coming through. You know, and it, it, there's so many more, you know, Shiny programs pulling at you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, programs pulling at you. And listen, his, his school produces kids now going back to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it's different. And so for me, when he's going back to, you know, to central Pennsylvania, I can call it central Pennsylvania, right? Are people going to get mad at that? Go southeast um, PA, you know, it's kind of right. off there, down in town, right off the, the turnpike exit down there. I'm, I'm going to have to find out what that longitudinal line is, but, right. or latitude. You're, you're coming to us live is. from central Jersey, so it's fine. Yeah. It is true. That is true. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> which does exist. But uh, to me, it just makes it easier for Penn State. And he's also around, you know, Prabula and Tally and Anthony Ivy and Makai Flowers and Nicholas Singleton. I mean, they're all together again. It it it, it just all seems right with Penn State, you know, with Drew Singleton back in the area, to be honest. Um, as the way it should be, Penn State dominating that region again and and it should. And so it's just comfortable. Speaking of of being selfish and Penn State fans wanting him back in town. Is it a good, I mean, I'm trying to, trying to word this without really offending anybody at IMG, but for a guy to go down there and then come back, can you see him talking to the guys that have, because there's been a ton of guys when Bobby Acosta was there, the head coach at, at IMG, who's got a ton of Northeast roots. He recruited the Northeast very hard, a lot harder than he has, or a lot harder than IMG has in the last five years. And now there's a bunch of Northeast kids down there. There's a new coaching staff. Could you see that, you know, helping Penn State in terms of like, okay, I went down there. It was great. I had a great experience. But, you know, home is something that, you know, Drew Shelton can now sell to these kids, his former teammates that have gone down to IMG are are in that blender per se with kids from Texas and and all through the Southeast and actually Midwest as well. So I'm wondering what kind of advantage that could be. Well, it could be a huge advantage. Um because he knows the people down there. You know, the thing is, Jihad Campbell, I don't know if he goes to Clemson. You know, the kid out of South Jersey who's at IMG. I don't know if he goes to Clemson if he doesn't go to IMG. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of, you know, he did some more testing down there that's verified and everything. But, yeah, it, it helps because Drew Shelton now has those relationships. If he can, you know, if Penn State, and not just the 22 class, but the 23 class, want somebody they now have somebody who was in that program who can say okay drew tell me about it. you know get drew involved in in the recruitment of the player and listen we we've said it before we joked around at the beginning of the segment on it but there are very few places in this country that impact kids like penn state does when they get on campus and you're going to be able to get them on campus in the fall you're going to be able to get them on campus in the winter again in the spring and so there is an inside relationship with Drew Shelton and some of those kids down there. So I think Penn State would be ridiculous not to try to take advantage of it in some regard, even if it's for one player. I think they'd be ridiculous not to to use that to their advantage. So Penn State won't get uh, an IMG product in this class of 2022, or will they? Uh, your latest crystal ball for Penn State says says otherwise. It does. Um, that was a, that was a great Allen. Anyway, just so you know. it, 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 a great segue, Fitz. That's what that's what you are about. That's why. Um, that's why we're the best. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, listen, Katron Allen, the running back from Virginia, he announces this week. I like where Penn State sits, which is why I put in a crystal ball pick. I know others have put it in as well. Um, we're usually pretty good on those things. Yeah. So. For me, though, he's a big, thick running back. I've seen him live, and I love him. 
And I think some people will look and be like, ah, you know, he, he may be a little bit too big and, you know, maybe trim down a little bit, reshape his body. He is one of those rare kids to me. And again, I, I've seen him live several times. He is one of those rare kids that at that size still has the great feet, runs with power, runs low, has some burst through the hole, has some elusiveness. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about Katron Allen. And I know when we do our rankings calls and, and we talk about different players, we, we had talked about Katron Allen last week and, and I had to give in my sixth sense because everybody knows I'm long winded. So two cents, I, I need more than that. But I, I, I love him as a running back. I think he is a great guy to have on your roster who can carry it 20 to 25 times a game if you need it. If you need to grind out a game on the ground, he could do that. If, you know, let's say there's like a fourth and one and you need a big power back in a big game, you know, you could probably hand the ball to him to get that first down and kind of move the pile forward even after first contact. I, I, I really think he's a, I think he's an outstanding running back that, you know, everybody's excited about Nicholas Singleton and they should be. But if Katron Allen decides to go to Penn State, I think he has a chance to be really, really good. And we, and we overrate the, the, the idea of having complementary backs, you know, Singleton, obviously a little, I think a little bit more athletic, uh, but, and then you've got Katron Allen as a, as a potential big back. Um, but it's nice to have diverse skill sets, body types, things like that in, in your backfield, uh, especially with as, as much as that pro, uh, position gets rotated through. Well, I mean, not just that, but I mean, look, you need more than one big running back on your roster because there's a really good chance if you're, playing in the Big Ten and it's physical, there's a really good chance at some point you're not going to be healthy at the running back position. And so having like one running back who's big and the rest are small or one who's small and the rest are big, I mean, it's foolish. I mean, you know, you don't you don't take just one receiver who's six four. You know, you you want you want diversity and you want a bunch of that stuff. Um and so for me, what, what's the what's the problem with having Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen there? What so Nicholas Singleton pounds on you for two quarters or three quarters, and then you say, okay, he needs a blow. Let's go give it to the two hundred and thirty pound kid and go try to tackle him for a little bit. So you're, I mean, you're, saying, you're it, saying there's a hypothetical out there where you could lose maybe your top two backs after the first drive of your first game, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, hypothet. You know, everybody knows I don't like to do on hypotheticals, but yes, hypothetically, um, that you know, that could happen. That, that's why I always laugh about this stuff. Now, I, I get it if it's the same class and and these two kids are the same class, but it's not like Penn State's roster is stacked with these two hundred and thirty pound running backs. Well, I mean, they're close. They got Noah Kane, they got Kevon Lee, but like, if, if you can run at 230 pounds, it doesn't matter for 230 pounds, 215 pounds. I mean, as, as we saw last year, there's a big difference between Devin Ford trying to pound the rock and Kevon Lee trying to do it. So, and I just yeah. said pound the rock. I sound like a complete jerk, but, um, yes, but that's kind of how that, uh, you, you want to have, I, I, complimentary is probably a, a bad way to say it, but dif- a, a diverse. You need two. Yeah, yeah. You, you just, you just need, listen. And, and I, you know, when I'm talking to kids and we're going over stuff and everything and, you know, these kids know, listen, man, it's great to be the guy at running back, but if you're really, really good, you don't want to be carrying the ball 
25 times a game for three years. No, you need your body to rest so you can get to the NFL and not have a ton of wear and tear and get to that second contract. And so you want, you need to be able to have guys that can, you know, you share the ball and, you know, maybe one game you get 10 carries and the next game you get 22. I mean, you need that and that's healthy. I just Googled thunder and lightning running backs just to, to get an idea of what we're talking about here. And it's just, it's funny to me because that's the, that's the go-to uh, cliche there, right? It is. And, and I've heard that from, you know, geez, when I was still in college and I remember um, Rutgers had the thunder and lightning tailback of Bruce Presley and Terrell Willis. And they were going to be the guys that led them to greatness, which, you know, now everybody's trying to remember who they are. Every, so everybody knows those guys. I mean, you got you had uh, what Tiki Barber and Ron Dane. That was the big thing for the Giants there. Um, in, in the it, it was. I, you know what? I, I'm I'm such college mode, but yeah. I mean, what you need? How about this? How about you just need good running backs, and if you only have one or two of them, you're screwed. All right. And that's a lot, you know, it's a lot of words more than thunder and lightning, but yeah, I think you're right there. So uh, <laughs> you were just in Pittsburgh this weekend. We're going to get off of the, yeah. the commitment train, but you were just in Pittsburgh this weekend, saw Tyrese Fury, also saw Tamir Robinson, a couple other prospects. What would you learn uh, over the weekend in the, in the steel city? I learned that, uh, well, a Permanente brothers is still outstanding, but B yeah, learned that okay. to, to, well, for an out of state guy, um, Tamir Robinson, the 2023 out of Brashear in Pittsburgh, um, I, I think he's got a chance to be unreal. He's 6'3", 6'4". He's going to play linebacker. He's, he's 2023. He visited Penn State for that, whatever they called it, spring game scrimmage, get your tickets on Instagram, whatever. He was there for that. He was back at Penn State in June. He's talking about coming back to Penn State again in late July, which I would guess would be for the Lash Bash. Um, you know, I watched him move, and he's long. He's athletic. He still has a ton of development that he could have throughout his frame. He's legit 6'3", 6'4", um, 220. Uh, it's funny. We, we wanted to see him, you know, just see what it would be like for him rushing the passer. So we pulled him out of a linebacker drill and put him into the one-on-ones. And the first one, man, he faked outside, went inside and just blew past the offensive lineman. And you just realize that the kid is so talented and so athletic that uh, he's got a chance to be really special. I think he'll be the, the top player in the state in 23 would be my bet when it's all said and done. Um, and he just has a huge amount of growth still ahead of him from a physical standpoint and he is a smart kid and look it's going to be tough i mean it's penn state ohio state notre dame michigan he was down at bama um you know pitt will be a threat from because of he's a pittsburgh kid uh i like the fact if i'm penn state that he has a chance to visit for the third time in three to four months um i, I think that's great obviously he's got a good relationship with terry smith because he lives um, in Western PA. I, I just, I, I think, I know people are really focused on 22. They're focused on football season starting, on finally being able to go back to Beaver Stadium and, and tailgate and, and just be part of that madness on game day there. 
But if you want to take a little bit of time and, and say, what 23s do I need to know? I, I think Tamir Robinson is a really good starting point for you. Yeah. And we're both young enough to remember when he was a safety, but now 6'4", 210. Uh, just a, he's a guy that helps you beat Ohio State. This is a kid that I think Ohio yeah. State will end up actually pursuing wanting. I mean, we talk all the all the time about these offer lists and how they're not as meaningful as they used to be. But this is one where this this kid can do a lot for your defense. Here's how you know it's legit with Ohio State. It's legit with Ohio State because he got the offer out of the camp where he worked with Al Washington, the linebackers coach. Mm -hmm. This wasn't this wasn't like, hey, Ohio State DM'd me and they said I had an offer or they told my coach I had an offer. He went, he worked out, he got the offer. Now he's gonna, like I said, he's gonna try to visit Penn State, he's gonna try to visit Ohio State and Michigan. Um, but listen, these are these are the ones that you'd like to see Penn State win if you want if you want Penn State to challenge for that Big Ten title. Um, and he's, like I said, he, he's he's worth the look um, just in terms of how athletic and how he moves. Uh, he, he's to me, and Fitz, you may know differently. I can't imagine there's going to be many people higher on Penn State's board in the 23 cycle. Yeah, we we have him at number three in the state right now, and you know the the guys in front of him really good. But I just you look at that size, and I mean this kid this kid's willing to go out and compete anywhere too, which he can't be overstated. Um, no, there's a lot to like about Tamir Robinson. We've been a big fan of him. Uh, around here for a long time. And I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon. Um, speaking of big time competition, I know we've been going for a while and I apologize for, for holding you up from getting your camera to the camera store to get ready for vacation. Um, <laughs> but uh, by the way, Don has a, uh, a wildlife photography Twitter. Go ahead and follow. It's great. He, he loves it. It's a great hobby. I, yeah. I do. I do love it. And, and because I'm old and can't figure this stuff out instead, I just put my Instagram on my Twitter. So now you can find it from there. So it's, it's, it is, I mean, you know, let's put it this way. You need some kind of release when uh, your your life Revolves involves away. calling 15 and 16 and 17 year old and you've been married for 26 years. So, oh, happy anniversary, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah so, something like that. <laughs> give that a follow. But speaking of <laughs> high level competition, this is the one everybody's probably been hanging on to hear if there's an update. But Deny Dennis Sutton set to announce on July 22nd. Um, one of those situations where a couple schools feel pretty good about where they're at. And, 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 you know, we got what, nine days until this one comes through. Uh, still time to twist that stomach and, and churn the, churn around a little bit more in the, in the next week and a half, huh? Yeah, I got nothing to say. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Everybody waits so long for the deny Dennis Sutton update. Um, listen, it's it's been going back with Georgia and Penn State. Coming out of the Georgia visit, it, it looked like Georgia had really moved in a good direction. Um, Penn State has done a really good job of, just like Nicholas Singleton, of reminding him why he was so high on Penn State for so long. And it's, you know, they have a great Penn State has a great relationship with McDonough. The coach, Hakeem Suley, likes Penn State a lot, and he likes Georgia a lot. I mean, Georgia, he was down at Georgia at the end of June on his own little visit, even though Denai was back in his home in Delaware. Um, to me, I think it can still go either way. I, I think it's going to be one of those, I don't know if it's going to be day-to-day where it could change, but I think it's like, okay, we're heading this way. And, and from what I understand now, um, I, I like where my crystal ball is with Penn State. I'm not saying it's going to stay there, but I'm comfortable 
with right now, you know, as we record this of, of him going to Penn state. Uh, and I think, you know, you wonder how recruiting works and how much these kids pay attention to stuff and, and how the coaches sell things. The big sell for Penn state right now with a lot of kids, especially on the line of, you know, defensive line is Jason Awe and that, John Scott had a year with Jason Alway, and now Jason Alway is a number one pick, you know, number one draft pick, um, first round, I guess we would call it. So that is really part of the process for Denai is understanding that Penn State can develop him in that way. And, you know, then you look at, you know, Devon Elliott is there, Curtis Jacobs is there, PJ Mustafer, all kids who are McDonough, who not only are at Penn State and, and you know, doing well in, in various roles, but they all speak highly of the Penn State experience mm-hmm. and denies a bright kid, you know, denies the kid that when you talk to him, he's always asking how your family is. And, you know, because you've talked to him, right. um, he, you know, he, it's not just, OK, interviews don't hang up like he's he's a he's a well thought kid who's smart. And I think at the end of the day. You know, he still has to sit down and make his list of, okay, this is what I like about this school. This is what I like about the other schools. Um, you know, it's Bama, Georgia, and Penn State are, are the, the ones that he's been on for a while. Um, and, and it's just going to be, okay, if all things are equal, where do I fit the best at? Yeah, no, it's 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 very interesting because you got PJ starting this year, Curtis is going to start this year. They've been high on the experience. I mean, every time you talk to Deny, that's almost his sort of liaison with the staff there. And you know, the staff has a great relationship and everything like that. But you know, there's there's only so much that they can say. You got to take the experiences there, and you and you haven't had a kid from McDonough ha- really have a bad experience, unless I'm missing something off the top of my head. So, um, so yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting one. I mean, it's. It's certainly not over. I know he says he's he's got a good idea, but like this is a thing that you can snap your fingers and it can change. So it's it's going to be. Uh, I, I hate to use the word drama because it's not. He, he is not producing drama. He is not going. You know, he's not the one with the interviews and everything like that going back and forth. This is just kind of like purgatory right now, just waiting for that decision. <laughs> so it's it's building anticipation. It's not so much drama because that's not the way he's handled his recruitment at all. And like we said a hundred times, he's a great kid. I mean, this is a kid that you mentioned about asking about your family. You can, you and I can tell a lot about a kid when you go up to interview him at a camp setting. And especially this year when you haven't been in front of him, you know, you, you introduce yourself, you say your name and it clicks. Okay. I know this guy from, you know, I DM him on Twitter. I text him. I talk to him on the phone and some of those kids just light up and, and, you know, that relationship just builds from there. And deny is certainly, I mean, probably at the top of the list, maybe with Anto Saka, you know, because <laughs> he's just a, yeah. a ball of, uh, of energy there. But in this, in this cycle, it says a lot about uh, the kid as a, pro- not as a prospect, but as a, as a person. No, I, I agree. I mean, you know, everybody always asks, you know, what you you root for in, in, you know, in this job and they don't believe me. And, and, you know, you go around the country, whether it's, you know, Ivan's, Will Fong, True, whoever, you wind up rooting for kids who are good kids who you know in recruiting. Mm-hmm. And so like when you, when I watch games on the weekend or Thursday nights or Friday nights or whatever, I'm watching to see how kids I know how they're doing and and i root for those kids like i i I 
and that's how deny is. I, I don't, I don't know where he goes at the end of the day. Um, I, I just want him to be successful and represent himself and his family in the right way because he's, he's been such a great kid to this point and, and you kind of want everybody else to understand, wow, th- this kid, this kid is something different. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what you, you know what it is. Fitz. every class, there's, there's only like two or three each class that you're like, man, he, he was so much fun to cover because he was engaging and, and well thought in so many ways. And I think he's one of those kids. Yeah, I agree. And, it, and it's always fun. I'm just looking at the first round of the NFL draft to see a guy like Kyle Pitts, you know, who was always very yeah. good to us during the cycle. It's just like you root for those kids. And that's that's kind of how you feel about uh, denying to Sutton. But of course, Penn State wants to uh, wants to close this one down. I mean, you've got uh, John Scott Jr. who's coming off of a uh, of a good weekend. As you mentioned, you mentioned the, the Jason away thing. And that's interesting to me because I, th- I was thinking about it when you were talking about it. Yes, Micah Parsons went ahead of him in the first round, but Micah Parsons was also, that's, that's what you expected from the time he stepped on campus. Jason Away, I think, was a top, lower top 100 kid. So to him, for him to outperform that ranking says something about development. You're almost wondering, did you get more? Well, not did you get more, but do you get more juice out of always development than Micah Parsons going at 12 overall? Yeah, I, I think you do in the regard of with, with the way Jason developed. And don't forget, he was a basketball player early in his high school career. So he had further to come um, in terms of development in college. But it's also, I mean, that's the position they're talking about with Denai, right? I mean, Micah was more linebacker and just like, I mean, uh, Jason was a freak athlete too. Right. But Micah, I mean, we knew Micah when he was a freshman, right? And you knew that he was going to be a top five or top 10 player in the country. Um, And so, yeah, I I think it makes sense. You know, with Penn State and Mike, it's like, okay, they didn't screw it up, right? (laughs) So he got drafted high. And I don't mean that they would screw it up. I mean, that's what you look at, you know, with Travis Hunter, who's one of our top players in this class going to Florida State. So you'd expect him to be like a, you know, a top 15 draft pick in the NFL. So it's like, okay, if he's that, they didn't screw it up. You, You knew what he was. But there were some there were some variables with Jason Awe or away, whichever way you know you want to say it. Um, and I I think it does hold more weight because hey, this kid what if if he was going to be drafted that high to begin with, he, he wouldn't have come back for that last season, correct? I mean, you and I had spoke about that about whether he was even going to come back. We, we, we spoke, about you know, September before the season. Yeah. 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 And, and there were, you know, to me, there were still some questions. And so to come back and knowing that the work got put in to get him to a first round grade, um, and you did it with a new D line coach and with the omnipresent Dion Barnes there also, who's always part of the equation. I, I, I think that's huge. And I think it's a really good selling point. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, with Keon Wiley, they talk about Mike Parsons, and that's what the comparison is when they're recruiting him. Mm-hmm. When they're talking, of, you know, and it's just because of the position. Um, I don't want to put those expectations and burden Keon in that way. But and so with Denai, it's like okay, defensive end. Here we go. I mean, this is who it is. Look at the length. Look at the body. And and Denai is much further along from a development standpoint than Jason was. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he's really far along in terms of even what Penn State's brought in the last couple of, of cycles. You know, you, you, 
what do you think? Uh, I'm trying to th- think who Penn State's last Yitor Gross Matos would have would have been the last game ready guy that they brought in a defensive yeah. end. You brought in some guys. I mean, we love Adisa Isaac, and we've we've compared you know Fearbury to Adisa Isaac, um, but yeah, he was still a guy that needed to put on weight when he got here. So it's uh, it, at a position that that is 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 at such a premium in the college game. That's so interesting that you know there's there's a lot at stake in this recruitment. I I, I think I've said it before. If, if Penn State wins this one, it's probably the best win of of James Franklin's career at Penn State in terms of recruiting. Um, but yeah, it, it's just such an important. There's so many levels here of this recruitment, and so and it's why it's so important to Penn State. If you're Penn State, you're you're this one's between Bama, Georgia, and Penn State. That's how you close the talent gap. By winning those. Yep. And, and they want them, you know, that we can talk all the, all the time about top five, top 10, you know, we see kids put out top fives and three or four of them wouldn't, it wouldn't take their commitment right now. I mean, let's, let's or, or sometimes five. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes five indeed. Um, but, uh, this is one, this is one where you're that yeah. that's a measuring stick recruitment right there. And if they can close it out, I mean, they, I know people will say McDonough, uh, relationships, all that kind of stuff. But if they close this one out, I, I cannot understate how, how huge it would be. There's a lot of fake celebrations by head coaches in recruiting when mm-hmm. they get a commitment. Mm-hmm. This one would not be fake. No, no, not, <laughs> not so much. Speaking of not fake, Brian Doan, uh, we kept you a little bit longer, but I thought this was a really good conversation. Uh, it, it's always a good conversation. Plus, you're going on vacation, so I needed to hold you a little bit longer and keep you from getting ready to, to go to that because we want to keep you on the site as long as possible. But <laughs> you guys know Brian Doan at, at, at Brian Doan 24-7 on Twitter, always stopping by our site with a ton of stuff. We thank him for his coverage. It's, it's been amazing. Um, but Doan, Thanks for joining us. And, and we don't, I'll talk to you before you go on vacation, but our listeners won't. So that, I'm going to, in, in their, uh, in, in their absence, I'm going to wish you a happy vacation. Well, thank you very much. It's still about 10, 11 days out. So I'll have plenty of content. Um, you know, I'll probably do a chat for you guys next week too, before I go, just so you realize why you want me to go on vacation instead of hang out. But, uh, yeah, I always appreciate the conversation. Oh, so you're going to be there. The Dennis Sutton commit. You're not going to be on vacation for that is what you're saying? You know what? I don't go until the 23rd, so I will be handling that commitment. All right. Wherever he goes. And if he doesn't go to Penn State, we'll come, we'll have you back on and grill you about your comments earlier. (laughs) I still will, I still will be covering the commitment. It's just, you know, your, your site will be, you know, making voodoo dolls of me to kind of like, you know, torture me. Making more voodoo dolls of you. Yes. So, all right. Don, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an right. awesome conversation. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks, man. That's going to do it for us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thank you to Brian Doan for joining us for an extended conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I know it's a, it's a long one, but if you have a chance to, to listen to that one, I do highly recommend it. Uh, for Tyler Donahue, I'm Sean Fitz signing off. Uh, we will catch up with you later this week. Thanks for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Remind us, rate, uh, a reminder to rate us, follow us on Apple Podcasts and get those five-star mailbag questions in. Thanks for joining us. I'm Sean Fitz for the Lions 24-7 podcast. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. 
The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.